The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... So the, the time is now. If you're aware that things could be potentially better, start with one thing, and it doesn't have to be big. The smaller it is, the better. Because the smaller it is, the more likely you're going to be able to fulfill it. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Insulone podcast with myself, Owen Costello. I hope you're well. Hope you're having a good week. And if this is the first time that you're tuning into the podcast, welcome. I can guarantee you after every episode of this podcast, your diabetes will thank you. We have the best guests. We cover the best topics and you will be reassured about everything related to your diabetes with this podcast. So be sure to go back and listen to them all. We have a really nice library of episodes now and there's a lot of value you'll get in those episodes. So be sure to jump back. Today's guest is a type 1 diabetic herself. She is a yoga therapist based in Aspen in Colorado. She's the founder of Rise Above Diabetes, which is an online yoga therapy program. She's been featured as a yoga therapist on Yoga International and she's on the podcast to talk about everything yoga, everything meditation, and her new book, Yoga Therapy for Diabetes. You already know from this podcast, I'm big on the fact that diabetes isn't just a physical condition. It's as much a psychological and emotional condition as it is a physical one. So I was really looking forward to having this conversation with Evan Soroka. I don't think I even named her yet. <laughs> Evan Soroka is her name. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation. We have a lot of similar views and opinions on how to manage our diabetes, how to view our diabetes and how to get the most out of it and not to just see it as a negative aspect of our life. So I won't keep you any longer. Enjoy our chat. We'll get right into it. And I'll chat to you soon. I'll be honest with you. I've done, I've done probably two yoga classes in my life mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed them, but they were incredibly difficult. 
Yeah. And in, I suppose, the last one or two years, I've consistently been doing about 15 minutes meditation every day and I've loved it. Mm. So I know you link the two of those and I'm looking forward to getting your perspective on the whole thing. But you were diagnosed at 13. How long after, how soon after you were diagnosed did you move to South America? So I'm doing the math in my head. Three years. Three years. I don't know how my parents let me go. You went over by yourself? Yeah, I did a like a Rotary Youth Exchange. The Rotary Club is like an international club and I applied when I was 15. I was adamant about getting out of my small town. And I also, I think I wanted that freedom. I was under the watchful eye of my loving parents for those three years, you know, I mean my whole life, but those three years after diagnosis as any parent or person listening to this knows, uh, there's so much to pay attention to. So did you feel kind of confident enough going over to South America by yourself after those three years? Because I was 19 when I was diagnosed, a bit older than you. And Obviously, we, we both understand how difficult it can be to adjust to it. Yeah. But did you have that confidence going to South America? You know the saying that ignorance is bliss? Mm. <laughs> I think my desire to just be with it and to take care of it on my own, that was stronger than maybe the reality of it. I wanted so deeply to just have everyone let me do it for myself. That That's just my personality. I, I wanted to take care of it on my own. And whether or not I really had the skills to do it perfectly, which is, I mean, perfectly, I guess, is a ridiculous word to say with diabetes. Hmm. Uh, there were definitely challenging times. Uh, but luckily, I've always been able to feel my lows and have that discernment when I was younger, despite so many other things that maybe I didn't take care of to always try to treat my highs. So it, it, it wasn't perfect at all. Um, but I actually, I think I needed that space to just take care of it for myself and not have anyone watching over me. Did you think, or do you think that from kind of jumping into the deep end like that with it, at such a young age, you built a better relationship with your diabetes than how you would have otherwise. That's the first time anyone's asked me that. And yeah, I think so. Because you know what it created was a sense of self-efficacy that I could handle it, even if it wasn't perfect, that I knew that no matter what the circumstances, I could handle it and that I could find insulin, that I could you know, take care of myself without anyone else helping me. So I, I, you know, it's, it's a balance, right? Because with diabetes, we want to be able to feel like we can take care of it all ourselves. You hear so often, like we're warriors, we've got this, but at the same time, we also have to be able to learn how to be soft and how to ask for help at the same time. So really that balance is what yoga is all about is that strength and, and also that surrender or the suppleness to it. More of a conceptual view of what yoga is about and how one would apply those concepts to diabetes. So do you think then 
did you stumble across yoga by accident in a sense or were you kind of drawn towards it already based off the fact that you had been living with diabetes for x amount of years I think it's a combination. I think a lot of people with type 1 diabetes are drawn to it because it makes you feel so good and connected. But I think there's a part of me that's inherently a a seeker. Like when I was a kid, older people would tell my parents, she's like an old soul. And there's this part of me that I think always was interested in that searching in that knowing, because ultimately yoga, while many of us view it as a physical practice and even an exercise, which it can be, the aim of yoga is, is to know oneself. So it's, it's a path for achieving that. So I think I was drawn to that aspect, although maybe I didn't realize it initially. I, I came into it for purely physical reasons. So when then did you kind of connect... And I find this fascinating because I'm big on kind of obviously connecting the the psychological impacts of stress with the physical impacts of of diabetes and the psychological impacts of diabetes itself. Did you, I know you obviously started to, you started your yoga for physical reasons initially. How long did it take you to notice differences with your diabetes management which would have stemmed from your consistent yoga practice? I think I noticed things immediately, just a sense of well-being. I really struggled my first five years with diabetes on a, a physical and emotional standpoint. And I think part of the reason why I moved to South America is I just needed that space from myself, almost like an escapism from it. And yoga was the first, let's call it activity, that I partook in post-diagnosis that helped me feel like myself again. And it was so uncomfortable and awkward those initial years becoming more aware of your body. And I think for many people, when they say, you know, yoga, I've tried it. It's so hard for me is because it's a feedback mechanism where you're holding a pose, but you're not necessarily moving and you have to reorient yourself with everything that shows up like physically and mentally and just be with it. And that's such a beautiful analogy for just the practice that is diabetes, right? We have to just be with it at times and learn how to watch it rather than let's just call it reacting or identifying with every high and low. So I guess to answer your question more succinctly, it helped me initially automatically to find more peace, but it took me years to really understand that connection. And what was required was a lot of study of, of the background of yoga and what yoga really is and how it affects you physiologically as well as psychologically. And then that connection between obviously the body and the mind. Yeah. It, it reminds me, well, it kind of links nicely to a quote that I have from your book and it says, you may feel like there will be an end to the madness 
once you acclimatize and figure it out, there's discomfort will subside. But as time goes on, you realize that you will always be in a constant state of transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have thought about that before with my own diabetes, but I almost never knew how to word it. Hmm. And it's like, I often say on this podcast, how, how living with type one diabetes is kind of like a a constant science experiment. Mm -hmm. And it is that constant state of transition. Like you refer to that. There's no end goal. It's just kind of, you have to consistently keep yourself healthy Mm-hmm. And you have to consistently be clued into the small things that you have to do each day. And there's is so that then? Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just interjecting that there's so much. <laughs> I find it so beautiful that you know, but it's taken me time to embrace that that beauty and that that constant, right? Mm. So, do you think it it took you time to kind of accept it because it was so difficult and because? I suppose a life with diabetes is so different to a quote unquote normal life without diabetes. Do I think that it took me some time to adjust to that? Do you like, do you think it took you time to adjust to it because it was so difficult initially? I think so. I think that there's just so much going on. There's so much that we're managing. And just when you think you figured it out, you realize that you haven't and it can be very challenging because we're, we're navigating so many diabetes impacts us on so many layers, so many intimate layers. And when I say layers, just like dimensions of ourselves from like our body to our, how our physiology is working, how our nervous system works within that and how we feel, how we see ourselves, how we relate to others, how we, relate to ourselves, what we partake in, what we say yes to, how we're embracing life. It's all so interconnected. And if we're living our lives, we're living it with diabetes. There's no, there's no like putting it aside. It's always accompanying us. So I think that, I think for everyone, there's this kind of bizarre transition of accepting that. Yeah. It's difficult to it's difficult to catch your head around it sometimes because it's so rapid too. Mm. There's almost like, there's no, as you say, instruction manual that comes along with it. It's just one day you aren't diabetic, the next day you are. And then you have to just reconsider your whole lifestyle. You have to think about all these million different variables each day, which can be so difficult to adjust to. Right. And everyone comes into a diagnosis with a different set of circumstances, a a different life history, a different personality. We could even say um, quality of mind as well as socioeconomic status, like what things are available to them. And so everyone arrives with their diagnosis with a different set of variables. And so I... I love how in many ways that diabetes, we can't fit type one or even type two, but let's just talk about type one here. We can't fit it into a box and say, this is like what it looks like, or this is the answer of how to navigate it or master it. It's so unique to every person. 
yeah absolutely and i say that i've probably said it a million times on here evan where i say mm. all type 1 diabetes is the same but no type 1 diabetic is the same even though we have the same condition how we manage it physically and how we manage it mentally is so different to mm -hmm. any other diabetic mm -hmm. like me and you are essentially on two different sides of the world we have the same condition but how we deal with it is completely different mm -hmm. our goal is the same as in we want to feel happy and confident and in control of our bloods but how we reach that each day can be completely different and i always talk about having type 1 diabetic non-negotiables to your day for example some for me could be drinking a certain amount of water getting out to exercise 15 minutes of meditation movement whatever it is and i think having those sort of non-negotiables or like the the core principles to your diabetes management are really really important when did you start to kind of introduce yoga as one of those non-negotiables to your day to my daily practice i think it took maybe eight or nine years around of practicing several times a week i was even a teacher at that point but it wasn't until i started really focusing on what we call the inner practices of yoga like meditation pranayama self-inquiry yoga nidra these are like the inner practices that they, they touch your subconscious it wasn't until i started to really dive into those practices that it became like a non-negotiable daily ritual and that that was life-changing and so I love when you say that, like, we need to have non-negotiables because so much of our success on a personal level with diabetes is finding out what works for us and having routines, but not only routines, like I use the word ritual, meaning that there's some level of something sacred or meaningful for us that it could be anything, but it's that act of doing it that is like a prescription of self-love and care. And it's that which changes our perception of diabetes. And it really empowers us that no matter what we're feeling, that we have something that we can do that's going to make us feel better. Yeah, it's like st sticking to the analogies. It's almost like a positive anchor to your day where even if it could be something so small, like getting up at a certain time and having a cup of coffee that you really enjoy. Yeah, it's that. For me, I love to try and start my day with something that I enjoy. It could be having a coffee, for example. And it just sets you up nicely as that positive non-negotiable to your day. Yeah. And you said, I obviously, I can't ignore the fact that you said life-changing mm -hmm. with the last answer. What sort of life-changing impacts did daily yoga have on your your, your personal life and your diabetes life. I know they're both pretty much the same, but you get me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm saying this while I'm testing my blood sugar. So I'm <laughs> I heard the little flick. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm multitasking. Um, what number are you at? You know, my, my sensor and my, my readings have been a little bit off, so I'm not trusting it. I'm 134 
Are you on that metric in Ireland or are you like the other one? No, we're on millimoles per liter. Okay. So what would that be? You said 130? 134. So that'd be like so bad at the- 7.4. So yeah, so that that's okay. Good yeah. to be sitting at. I'm, I'm okay sitting at that. Um, but it does have an arrow up. So this is actually okay. a great <laughs> answer to your question because, okay, so I test, I see the arrow. There's all these things going on internally. And I think what a daily practice has provided me with is that space to watch that and to even like feel the sensation of what goes on my body when I see an arrow going up and, you know, in your brain of like, well, what should I do now? It allows you to create this spaciousness where you can watch it and not be so wrapped up in, we call the identification with it. And what I mean by that is like, if you're looking at a number, can you see it objectively rather than like as a reflection of who you are? I absolutely love that. And it's so funny because almost any time I speak with a client, I will always, always say, do not react emotionally to your blood sugar. Yes. Analyze it objectively. So you basically took those words out of my mouth. Yes. And that's so, so important because what I always say to them, and I say on this podcast too, it's like the vast majority of our time the vast majority of the time, our blood sugar kind of acts like a mirror Hmm. and it will react to what we do and what we don't do. And it's important that we can understand those numbers for what they actually are and why they're happening rather than, oh, my blood sugar's high again. You know, it shouldn't be high. It shouldn't be high and getting stressed. Hmm. And then when you get stressed, your blood sugar can go higher and then you may not, might not treat it as you should. And it's just kind of that vicious cycle. You sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> we could have so much fun talking about this because this is what excites me more than anything. It's that you've got to take the emotion out of it. It's what I tell my students all the time. Like, can you treat diabetes from this place of wholeness rather than like this vicious cycle that you're referring to of reactivity. And then we, you know, then we're stuck in what we call in yoga. It's this, it's the samsara. Samsara is the cycle where we're just in it and we have no awareness that there's any, let's just say control in our destiny. It's like, it's doing it for us, but we're not in charge. So, and this is a question I ask clients too, and I'm going to ask you again, why is it, do you think that people do react so emotionally to blood sugars? And look, we've both been guilty of it too. We probably both are still guilty of it from time to time. Yeah. But where do you think that, that kind of emotional reaction to blood sugar is stemming from? In yoga, there's four major obstacles. The first one is ego. The second one is attachment. The third is aversion. And then the fourth is a fear of death. It could be one or all of the above, but I think when you distill it down, it's fear, like fear of, well, maybe I'm just not doing this right or you know, our untimely demise. 
I, I hate to sound morbid, but you know, that's what kind of disease does to us. And especially the immediacy of diabetes, of, of needing to be in control because of, of the risk involved if we're not in control, whether that's the long term or the short term. There's there's so much that's behind our impulses. And so when we can kind of like, again, objectify and identify what's, what's our motivation, where is it coming from, that allows us to have more spaciousness and choice because then we recognize, okay, like that's me just freaking out here or that's me being really attached to a number because in my mind, that number means that I'm good. Yeah, it's almost like the safety of seeing a certain number. Yeah. Do you think, Evan, that the fear of long-term complications is enough for somebody to manage their blood sugar each day? Absolutely not. Studies show that, you know, education about the risks is not enough because I think psychologically on some level, we think that we're impervious to the ramifications of it. I think that we know the risks, but the motivations behind our actions have to be greater than those like long-term risks because there's a part of us, I think, psychologically that thinks, well, that can't happen to me. And so what motivates us has to be more of like we call an intrinsic motivation to feel good, to have the energy, to be inspired, to fulfill whatever it is our potential is out there. And if we're we're feeling good, then we have the energy to do that. I think that is what motivates us more than the fear of the long-term complications. Because long-term, it's just so far away. Although, you know, I know plenty of students, if not myself, that have wake up plenty of times in the middle of the night and their blood sugars are high. And there's that little voice of like, well, what's going to happen to me? A big part of it for me is number one, being aware of the fact that, look, this is a long-term comp, this is a long-term condition. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, even just from my own perspective, me being aware of that make has made it easier to kind of accept the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you in saying that the fear of long-term complications shouldn't be your motivation to stay consistent with your management each day. It just shouldn't be. And it can't, like you said. And a big part of it for me and what has worked and continues to work so well for me with my diabetes management is getting a positive from my diabetes. And I know you're big on kind of taking the positives from things rather than focusing on the negatives. And that's definitely worked for me. Look, no matter what we are doing, or what we're going through, there's always going to be a positive. Mm -hmm. And I have another quote actually here from your book. <laughs> it just, it, it fits it perfectly where it says, you try to connect with your family and friends, but they do not understand your burden. The doctors lack empathy and do not praise your efforts. All they see is a number that is yet to be reached. A person lives in a perpetual state of mourning a life that once was, and so there is no growth. It's like being caught in a battle with no way out. When all a person sees is negative, the focus will be on that rather than on the positive. The positive is always present 
but it requires more work to access. Hmm. Did I? And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's unreal. <laughs> it and what you said, I sound like you reading that. That sounds like me, which is class. Mm-hmm. But just from that. What are a few positives that you personally have taken from your diabetes? I think the most positive thing I've taken from diabetes is compassion. I think I've learned how to be more compassionate towards myself and from that towards others. And what I mean by compassionate, it's not like just empathy. It's really just a feeling of broad acceptance and love. I think diabetes has really taught me how to do that. That's number one. There's so many things, but self-awareness, understanding what I'm feeling, understanding the difference between being in balance and being out of balance. And I think diabetes has has taught me that I have so much choice. I have so much choice in in what kind of life I'm going to lead. But at the same time, that I'm not the master of everything that I do. You use the word awareness and it pops up a good bit, even through your social content. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you say, and kind of express the importance of awareness what it is what is it exactly that you mean by being aware in relation to your diabetes management number of things one is to pay attention to pay attention to the cycles to pay attention to the patterns and if we're aware of like how a certain type of food or a certain activity or exercise or emotion is impacting our blood sugars, then we can also have another type of awareness to change those things. But if we're not aware, we remain again in that vicious cycle. So awareness is the first step really in any type of transformation. But for diabetes, it's, it's of the utmost importance that we, we are paying attention. Yeah, it reminds me of again, you're you're kind of mirroring what what I believe about diabetes too. And three words that I always stick to and and try to get other people to understand is awareness, anticipation, and action. Mm. And it's almost like a three-part structure of, like you say, being aware of what's going on, being aware of this type of exercise does this to my blood sugar. This type of food does this to my blood sugar. Lack of sleep does this. Mm -hmm. When you're aware of it, you can then move on to the next word, which is anticipation. You can anticipate and predict what's going to happen from your previous experience. Then when you can anticipate and predict what's going to happen based off your previous awareness, you can move on to the last word, which is action. And that's where your confidence in respect to your diabetes management matters. And when you have the confidence to take action and make necessary adjustments based on awareness and anticipation, that's how you can always 
kind of grow with your diabetes management and always progress blood sugar wise? Put the words out of my mouth. (laughs) 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 Maybe we need to do a... uh, uh, a joint podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be so a podcast series or something because we're saying we're saying all the same things. The divine feminine, masculine <laughs> thing, and different voices. Exactly, two different accents. Yes, <laughs> Evan. Do you think from your experience now with yoga and meditation too, you? are more able to cope or let go of negative experiences. Yeah, definitely. It's work though. We, I say we, but I have in my constitution, I'm very, I don't know if you're familiar with Ayurveda, but I, my constitution is Pitta Kapha and a a tendency for me is really to grip and hold on to things hold on to my mistakes. And I think meditation, what it's allowed me to do again, it's as I spoke to compassion, it's, it's letting go of that and forgiving and moving on and, and learning better for the next time. So you've obviously been on your own diabetic journey in a sense, Mm -hmm. uh, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And you strike me as someone who's kind of, learned over a lot of uh, like many years and hard work to kind of master their own diabetes why did you then decide to write your book because I like to be challenged (laughs) (laughs) I like the the comfort in the discomfort Uh, you know there's a word in yoga which is dharma dharma is like you're just to distill that down simplistically, it's like your purpose. And your purpose is something that lights you up inside, gets you excited. It makes you feel like you're alive. And for me, when I share this wisdom with other people with type one diabetes, especially, and I see that same light lighting up in them, That's what I live for. And so it was like, how can I not do this? How can I not share this? Because there's so many yoga books out there. There There's so many diabetes books out there. But what I really wanted to provide was like a manual for not just people with diabetes, but people who work with diabetes, work with people who have diabetes to understand how to view it in a different light and for those people who have it to also view it in a different light and not only understand how to work with it holistically but what's the science behind it like what's going on biologically and then with that understanding what can you start to do with your own practice and lifestyle practice as well to optimize your life and and your self-care because so much of diabetes is self-care, right? That's the answer to it. But we have so many obstacles in our way 
again, our aversions, our attachments, our likes and dislikes, it's often easier not to do anything than to do something. And so, so much of our success is, is about creating these, these rituals for ourselves that we can connect with something that's ourself or whatever you want to call it something. Let's just say it's something that's more than the illness. And that's what guides us. And so that's why I wrote the book is I wanted to share that with people. Me and you obviously have good relationships with our own diabetes, mm-hmm. if, if you put it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's important and it's quite clear that that's important. Yeah. And you're obviously very tuned into your own diabetes management, your own relationship with your diabetes. But for somebody who might be listening, who is kind of at that point in their diabetic life where things are just really difficult. Yeah. Things only seem negative. There is no positive to type one. Yeah. What sort of advice could you offer somebody like that? Well, the first thing I would say is that even the recognition that they're at their lowest low is in a way a form of self-awareness and clarity that there is a potential for something else, right? And that I hope that that onto itself would inspire them to start seeking other pathways because it's often, it's scary to try something that we're unfamiliar with, something different. But when what we're familiar with is not working, like what are the other alternatives? And so I would say to this person is, is, you know, trust that part of you that knows that there's another way and that, that it's not easy. I mean, nothing worth doing is going to be like handed to you. It's something that we learn. It's something that is, I guess, in a way achieved, but going back to the beginning of this conversation, it's never... There's never an end. It's this this way of living and translation transition all the time. I would say that there has to be a starting point, and the starting point can be right now, with one small thing, one small thing. And if you can dedicate to one small thing, try it out for forty days. It could be as simple as like a gratitude journal and waking up. I know you hear that a lot from people, but it's very like accessible of waking up and writing down, you know, what are the 10 things that you're truly grateful for and really being descriptive about it. Not just like, Oh, I'm grateful for my dog. Like (laughs) I'm grateful for the kisses that my dog gives me and the feeling that I get in my heart when I experience that. (laughs) It's like, but it's different. So that could be something simple that you just start to instill Every day for 40 days. And I say 40 days because that's a really good time frame to set a new habit or a new pattern for yourself. So the the time is now. If you're aware that things could be potentially better, start with one thing and it doesn't have to be big. The smaller it is, the better. Because the smaller it is, the more likely you're going to be able to fulfill it. And then from there, you'll build up your, you know, your discipline and You'll build up your willingness to try other things. 
but you got to find out what works for you. It doesn't have to be yoga. It doesn't have to be meditation. It doesn't have to be really what anyone else is doing. Find something that makes you feel good. And if you're unsure, then reach out to, you know, either one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Read your book. (laughs) Read the book. (laughs) No, I love that because, and you pointed that out there where it doesn't have to be anything big and it doesn't have to be a massive change. And that's another thing I always say, here we are sounding like each other again. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. diabetes is one of those conditions that doesn't require anything drastic or dramatic Mm -hmm. to, to change it. And you said it right. If you want to change it, you can change it right now Mm -hmm. because you will manage your diabetes by doing the simple things well and by doing the simple things consistently. And the simple things can quite literally be the simple things like drinking more water, going out for a walk every day, accurately carb counting, understanding your insulin time, Mm -hmm. being in the driving seat of our blood sugar each day and and staying two steps ahead of our diabetes basically boils down to those small techniques each day. Mm-hmm. And you, you were spot on when you said it about sometimes people are like, we're kind of less inclined to do the small things because they can seem so small. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't value the small things because they are so small. And when we don't value a habit or a technique or a daily strategy or routine, then we're not as likely to do them. And because, like I said, diabetes essentially boils down to these little habits, these little techniques and routines that you have to do. And then when you put them all together, you're in the driving seat. And like I touched on earlier with the non-negotiables, mine are drinking water, exercising, moving. Yours are yoga, maybe journaling meditating somebody else's can be completely different and it's important that like you say you're aware of what you can do to benefit your own health because if you are in that mindset of oh god this is awful this is terrible and look diabetes can be awful and can be terrible but it doesn't have to be And that will only change when you change how you view the whole thing. And it's just finding one entry point, one starting point where you can feel like you can handle it and that you can feel like you've achieved something. So Evan, if someone is listening to this and thinking, right, I definitely want to do one new thing starting today, starting after this podcast. Mm -hmm. If they decided that one thing was getting involved in yoga. How could somebody who has never done anything related to yoga start? Gosh, there are so many ways to start. So many. There's so much yoga out there. But of course, I would direct you to me. (laughs) (laughs) They could go to my Instagram page or they could go to my website, which is sorokayogatherapy.com, and I have a bunch of free practices. And they're really simple. I'm not 
a contortionist. I'm not trying to push people into crazy shapes. Really the, the medium is the breath and how the breath unites the body and the mind, because that's what influences our nervous system. And that's what allows us to develop our self-awareness. So I have some really simple practices, meaning like not physically demanding where you're going to learn how to move and breathe. And um, that would be a really good starting point. So definitely reach out to Evan. Definitely read a book. Definitely find her on Instagram. <laughs> That's the best starting point. Yeah, and reach out if questions. Like I love connecting with people. I'm not like the kind of person who's going to push you off into my assistant to answer you. I, I really... It, if someone's curious and they have the right questions, I, I'll give you my time. So, so just ask, I'm here. I'm curious to know, what do you think your diabetes management would be like right now? If you had never discovered yoga? Oh my goodness. That's a really hard question because there's so many hypotheticals. I was on a really quick path to destruction before I found yoga. Um, I was drinking a lot. I was doing drugs. I was, I was on a fast spiral path to lots of morbidities and risk factors. So I don't know. I, I think I would have found myself, but I might be working with a lot more things in my way right now. I think I would have finally pulled myself out of it, knowing who I am, but I, I might have more damage. What's the damage that you think would have been, if you don't mind me asking? Deeper neuropathies, you know, neuropathies. Um, I'm just thinking, like, I, I'm just thinking of people I know that haven't taken care of themselves and, and were in denial for many, many years. And, and then they woke up in their thirties, you know, and I see what kind of damage that's done to their bodies. You know, maybe I would have need a, needed a, a transplant of some type. I don't know. Um, but all I know is that yoga is what helped me move through it and out of it. And really what introduced me to exercise as well and, and, and to being healthy because it was a very accessible, it didn't seem like an insurmountable discomfort, I guess. You know how some people say yoga is really uncomfortable? Well, for me, like cardiovascular exercise was like that. Like I just hated it. <laughs> I hated it. And now, you know, in the summer, I ride my bike like 100 miles a week. <laughs> really yeah yeah i'm a big wow. cyclist i'm 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 up there with all of wow, that's a lot yeah yeah how does your blood sugar respond to 100 miles a week i think it does pretty good actually you know my blood sugars do better when i'm more mellow um but i love i love intensity too um, and I, I found a way, you know, I've learned over the years how to manage it and how to do long duration exercise without crazy spikes. It just, um, it's again, that study of, of the connections. 
But I don't think if it were for yoga that I would have been open to that. So were you in a place prior to yoga where you were completely neglecting your diabetes? I don't think I could say complete, but I was putting it on the back burner. I was, if I look back at it, I was experiencing quite a bit of diabetes burnout. You know, just I'll deal with that later. I would hide it from others. I would disconnect because I've been on an insulin pump since I was 15. I would like disconnect and just like plug back in later so no one would have to see me wearing it. Was there a certain turning point for you? Because now you go onto your Instagram, you're wearing your pump pretty proudly. It's it's great to see. And it's so obvious that you live with type 1 diabetes. And you're always a great account to go on to. Was there a turning point for you where you went from somebody who was hiding it to now is so proudly diabetic? I think the first turning point was in my early 20s when I was really deep into yoga and I just started to become more focused on health. And, And in that, of course, I wanted to achieve a good A1C. So first it was under seven and then it was like, okay, well, where can I go from there? But it wasn't really until, honestly, social media and seeing so many others that I became such a proud wearer of my pump from something that I would like find a cute way of, you know, hiding it under my clothes to, well, this is just part of my outfit. And I think that 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 was that turning point where I was representing it and I was meeting so many people that also were representing it. And so it, it became almost like a badge of honor. That's cool. I've never heard that one before. Badge of honor. <laughs> badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that one. <laughs> if, Evan, you were given the opportunity to never be diagnosed, would you? No. I like who I am. I wouldn't be who I am without it. You know, I think we, we all contemplate that. Like, what if there was a cure even? Now, would you take it back? I don't know. This is just the way I've learned to live, that we've learned to live, right? It would sure be a lot easier if we didn't have it. But it's also what makes me uniquely me. Yeah, I, I speak to a lot of diabetics, just like through social media and that kind of thing. And particularly on the podcast, the vast majority of people that I've spoken to, <clears throat> there's the voice crack. My voice, my voice cracks every single episode. I was wondering, I was wondering when it come in. But <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, you. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> people that I've had on the podcast who are all doing great things, like in their own field, and all these things that they're they're really interested and fascinated in they all seem to somehow stem from the fact that they were diagnosed. Mm. And I always end the podcast with the same question because 
like to keep it positive as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And you've probably answered it about 10 times over, but I'm going to ask you again yeah. in case anything else comes to, comes to mind. <clears throat> Make sure my voice doesn't crack again. <laughs> so if you had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something, Evan, what would it be? I would say thank you, diabetes, for providing me with my life purpose, which is to help others with diabetes and to help myself. Like I, I live through diabetes, not only through myself, but, but for others. And that's like my greatest joy. And I, so I thank diabetes in some bizarre way for showing me that the biggest challenge of my life can also become my greatest inspiration. I love it. You sound like a poet. (laughs) (laughs) That's unreal. Evan, if people want to find out more about you or get in touch with you, where can they, where can they do that? They can either connect with me on Insta. It's Evan underscore Soroka or at my website, which is SorokaYogaTherapy.com. And they can just connect. Um, I offer 15 minute discovery calls. We can talk about upcoming programs, private mentorship, those kinds of things, and just see if there's a route. There's there's really a route for everyone, um, no matter what your budget or what your level of experience with yoga is. So um, that, that would be the best way to, to connect. And, and really for me, again, like I said, it's about connecting. So just reach out and say hi. That's what it's about. Love it. Evan, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. How's it going? Owen here again. Just dropping in to say a few words before I leave you on your way for the rest of your week. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did recording it. I always really enjoy chatting to people like Evan because even just by speaking to other people like that who have been through and are going through similar experiences to yourself in relation to your diabetes and your management of the condition, you always get so much value from it. And me and Evan actually continued to speak with each other for a good while after we we finished recording. And she kind of went into more, I probably should, (laughs) I actually should have kept it recording, but she went into more depth about how important meditation and yoga really is to her each day, specifically even with her diabetes management. She says she starts her day with yoga, starts her day with meditation. And I asked her, how would she feel if she didn't start her day that way? And she was like, I'd be a mess. (laughs) And I'm sure she actually wouldn't be a mess, but it just goes to show you how much of an impact having a core routine like that can be on your day. It sets her up so perfectly into her day. And as you can see or hear from the podcast, she's someone who proudly looks after her diabetes, has great control and does fantastic things for the diabetic community. So if you are interested in learning more about Evan herself, about what she does, or even if you're just interested in maybe introducing yourself to meditation, introducing yourself to yoga, definitely reach out to her. She is an expert in the field. I am not, but I 
have consistently been meditating for like 15 minutes each day for a good while now. And I found it amazing. Something simple. I always thought that meditation is just for a monk in the hills who's found complete peace with the world, (laughs) but it's not. It's just about checking in with yourself, setting yourself up nicely for the day and kind of preparing yourself for whatever it is that's coming your way. So as always, really hope you enjoyed the podcast. I don't want to rant on too long, but you know, I appreciate you listening. Hope you have a fantastic week. If you do have a question or a story or anything you would like to tell myself or Graham, I know he's not here today. Don't hesitate to reach out. The Insalone Podcast at gmail.com. We're getting loads of emails in these days. We're loving getting the emails in. Loads of questions, loads of stories. So keep them coming. Don't be shy. Have a fantastic week. Do what you need to do. Keep those blood sugars stable. I'll chat to you soon. <laughs>